I'm logging in now. I hate you, Cookie. <laughs> Bye. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> A screening great. service? Welcome to Two Dollar Steak, a pro wrestling podcast. I am your host, Aaron Varnum. Joining me today, as always, Tolbear. Present. Cookie. It's your boy. And dri- driving in shitty Ohio right now, <laughs> Big Mike. The Road Warrior. Woo! Long haul dad van, currently. Did you pee as in a, a jug? I ain't pulling over. No, we do have Elliot's. We do have Elliot's urinal. We haven't had to use it, but uh, I did the math, and by the time that we get home in the last month, we'll have spent over fifty-two hours driving. Thank God you have a comfortable, uh, d- delightful minivan to to do all this traveling in. It does. Uh, it does make it a little bit easier when you can just turn on the TV for the kids and they can kind of zone out. How, how is that delightful, the, the ride of the van? Is it, does it feel like you're you're driving on air in a cloud? I mean, it's pretty smooth. And uh, I'm getting pretty good gas mileage, so I can't complain. You said it, it, it's smooth? Like, just like the ocean under the moon? It's the same as the emotion that I <laughs> promised you? Are we pitching a you, commercial uh, for You Honda? bring out these... Lyrics, yeah. Like, what are you, uh, what are you doing? Uh, I'm trying to keep a cat from jumping on my equipment right now, so that that is what I'm doing. Uh, Mike, why are you in Ohio? Oh, it was. Uh, we did a little impromptu trip to Ohio to celebrate Elliot and his cousin's third birthdays. They separate. They're separated by like just a couple of days, so. Um, we found out that Amanda's cousin from Nashville was going to be in Ohio with her kid, and then it turned into a dual party, and it turned into, you know, Mike driving to Ohio and back in the weekend. Well, you're saying that it's a dual party. Was it like um, like a professional wrestling match where you would boo the other kid when they were opening up presents, and then when your kid opened yeah. up a present, you'd cheer? Unfortunately, uh, I think Elliot was the heel in the match. <laughs> Um, he was the one that was antagonizing and doing things a little above and beyond and being a little extra with, with some of his um, actions. Give, give me an example. Um, How was he trying to get heat, this <laughs> child of yours? Um, well, he has this thing where, you know, he's three and he doesn't really understand the process of sharing. Um, and so I'll, I'll tell you this. So at one point, they're playing at the little water table and Elliot sees his cousin has this um, it's not even a toy, it's like a piece an attachment to the water table so Elliot takes it and his cousin, you know, trying to get it back and Elliot just starts walking away and so then his cousin follows right behind and they're, they're just jack jawing each other up and down and they go into the little playhouse clubhouse, shut the door and start swinging on each other <laughs> all over this piece of plastic well, there you go. Uh, Elliot is the heel. Did Hudson walk up with a loaded uh, uh, tennis racket at any point? 
Um, uh, no, he did not. I don't think Hudson has heel in him. He is very much a baby face, um, life of the party, get everybody kind of hyped kind of kid. He's the hero of the locker room. <laughs> yeah, and if, so if anything, he was he was the one getting you know tossed to the ground for GP. He's a good worker. <laughs> he's a good worker. He's booked. He's booked. You know, he he sells the baby face very well. He can, he can cry on a command. Um, and he can clap like the best of them, get, get the crowd riled up. So. Does Hudson ever twirl his hand and put it up against his ear and like <laughs> trying uh, to get? No, but he he was ra- he was raising his hand when he was getting ready to um, command everybody's attention, and then run into the crowd. And then he was also he likes to clap when you say "Good job, Hudson." So he started clapping a lot lately. I, I like the dynamic between your boys. You've got the evil boy who is uh, uh, Elliot, and then you've got the, the white meat baby face boy who is Hudson. And and together, that sounds like a built-in storyline in the future where, where Elliot turns on Hudson in the tag team division. It's going to be a very fun uh, story for the Mauer boys in the future when they're going up for that, that tag team title. Yeah, we got to get them to old George South, man. Get them smartened up. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm excited to see how they, they go about creating that storyline and who, who's, you know, which way does the manager go? Does, does the manager go with the heel or does the manager go with the baby face? Oh, my God. You got a built-in just perfect storyline, Mike. Jesus. You really do. Now, Mike, are you going to uh, are, are you going to have the classic uh, one parent goes with one? So, like Amanda <laughs> is going to be going Jeez. with with uh, with Hudson. She's the face, and uh, Big Mike is going to be going with Elliot. We could put Amanda on a fork. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Give me Dale. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I think if anything, I would do. A, uh, you know how people do split jerseys? I think I would do split trunks and then uh, maybe paint my chest as well. That's how I would kind of okay. sit in the crowd and, and watch. Ellie Hud or whatever it says on your thing. All right, so you are in Ohio. Cookie is in Colorado. Cookie, what did you have going on this week? Uh, man, you know, nothing too crazy this week. Uh, I had a friend come into town, so we were just showing, sharing, blah, 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 showing him around the town. Uh, you know, um, we just kind of just shot the breeze and just did, you know, watch the Olympics. <laughs> shot the breeze. Shot the breeze. saying they just, they, you sat in your living room, smoked dope, and ate cheap food. We didn't smoke dope. We smoked uh, marijuana, but, you know. Cookie was that <laughs> deflated person in the old uh, the, the drug commercials. <laughs> His friends I was. All of us were. I Aaron, I tell you, they, I, I'm starting to think that they make up names for these strains because I don't know what the fuck peanut butter breath is, uh, lemon skunk. Um, there's a bunch of crazy shit that I've just... Uh, cashmere? What the hell is cashmere? I don't know. Uh, it's don't a Led it. Zeppelin song. I don't know, Peanut Cookie. Country. I don't know, Cookie, but you need to uh, mail me some live it. rosin cartridges. I need to do what, Tolbert? Just mail me some live resin cartridges, man. Just say I it's CBD. No, I'll no, it's Delta. Uh, it, what is it? It's Delta eight. Delta eight, which sounds yes. like a strain of COVID right now. It does. I keep thinking about that. Uh, anyways, 
Tolbert, you were Yo. in Wilmington with me. What what's going Hi, on? Man, we're crossed out, man. I've been I've been a little under the weather this week. Had to call out a couple days from work, man. Been fighting this summer head cold. Um which summer I, head cold, or was it yeah. was it the uh, the Delta variant from AEW Charlotte? I don't know, man. But after returning from uh, AEW, I, I promptly uh, fell under the weather. So because you shared point, a bed with me, yeah, but you're fine. So maybe Am I? you Am infected I me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for so about three days, I just had the. You remember the air mattress I had in the Airbnb? I set that up in the living room. And uh, I dozed in and out of sleep while I binged movies. And Detroiters, the the TV and Detroiters, show. it's fucking hilarious. But yeah, so that's been my week. Finally got back to work, feeling a little better. Uh, but yeah, man, just been watching wrestling and hanging out. So, anyways, we were oh. going to do. Oh, I'm sorry, Cookie. What's, what's oh, up? I forgot. I, I went to practice this week, boys. I went to again. The second Tuesday. practice, dude. I went Tuesday and I went Thursday. How about three that? practices for Cookie? Oh my God, Aaron. Let me tell you something. This organization is not like Cape Fear. <laughs> Let me tell you. That. I'm gonna start with that. Uh, they do something called a, a henny, like a like Hennessy. They call it a henny. Yeah. You have to roll, run from uh, one one end of the, of the goalpost, or uh, not goalpost, but the uh, tri zone, to the other end, to the other side, and then all the way back to the other side. So you're hitting all four corners. You actually have to condition is what you're telling you, you actually have to condition. And when they play touch, Aaron, they call it a run and gun. So they, you know, they don't stop. There's no kickoffs. It's just, you just keep going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. You just keep going. It's, now, Cookie, what is their, what is their opinion on your no call, your no touch calls? Oh, you're um, notorious at Cape Fear for calling touch when you don't touch the guy. The be- the beautiful thing about Colorado rugby is that you can do one hand touch. I love it. I can hit him with one hand. Yeah. So Cookie's the king of no selling at touch rugby. For oh you. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No sell, baby. You didn't get me. <laughs> one hand. No touch. Well, and he, he, al- he also has the cookie tag, the infamous cookie tag, where he calls touch before he actually physically touches you. Sometimes I dive on the ground. Sometimes. Sometimes he never actually does touch you, and on a very rare occasion, he goes, "Yeah, you're right. I didn't touch you." <laughs> After <laughs> on the, you on the rare occasion, touched you. I, I can't let everybody go over on me, okay? In practice, I can't let everybody do it. Only a few people. You're the Hulk Hogan of uh, rugby. It sounds like. Oh, exactly. A hundred percent. I don't know about that one, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make that trip to uh, North Korea. You know, (laughs) that's a no for me, bro. That's no for me, brother. Anyway, so this week uh, we were going to do a Dory Funk week. I'd done it. I I had written a phenomenal rundown. I've got it ready for us for next week. Um, I I just want to give you a a little little taste. We found a... (laughs) Dory Funk against RVD match, which is absolutely chef kiss and a half. And, um, and not, uh, yeah, it's 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 something. It's something. <laughs> um, speaking of no selling, we'll we'll get to that next week. But. Yeah, I, I, all I want to say is, guys, if you think you know wrestling and you've never seen Dory Funk do the RVD thumb taunt, uh you don't know wrestling no. is, is what I'm going to say is no. because Dory Funk in that match 
does the thumb taunt, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> anyways, so we got some bad news this week. Bobby Eaton, beautiful Bobby Eaton, passed away. Um, so we, I decided to kind of punt and change up the rundown. Beautiful Bobby Eaton is somebody that we've talked about a bunch on this podcast. We've watched a lot of his matches, and we uh, we really appreciate his style. He, he's somebody that that is willing to do whatever it takes to make a professional wrestling match good. He's willing to give it all. He's willing to take every move in the book. He's willing to sell. He's willing to put people over. Bobby Eaton, a very important professional wrestler and a very important human being. Um, I'll tell you, about 10 years ago, uh, I had a professional wrestling show, Midnight Mayhem. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, David Harwood, who is Dax uh, from AEW, which we will talk about here in a few seconds, uh, he booked the Midnight Express, Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton, in a match against the Dawson brothers. I got to witness, film, and produce this match it was something special. They didn't do a lot of high-flying moves because they were a little older at the time, but the Dawson brothers were able to have this match with these guys, and then afterwards I was able to talk to these uh, two performers. Bobby Eaton was the nicest human being. This was the first time I ever got to experience a true legend, somebody that had wrestled everybody in the business. Bobby Eaton was so sweet, such a super nice guy. And that's something that you hear from a lot of the other professional wrestlers out there. Everybody was shocked by the passing of Bobby Eaton. And uh, we, we just wanted to kind of honor him today on the podcast. What I, I know Tobert has had some experience with beautiful Bobby Eaton throughout his matches. Uh, and we will, we'll, we'll go into the blue bloods here in a little bit. Tobert, what, what are your memories of beautiful Bobby Eaton? Man, it's someone that uh, when I talk to some of my older family members and some of the uh, the the old heads, you know, Midnight Express always comes up. Man, they're just like, man, Midnight Express, beautiful Bobby, man. Um, you know, it's it's someone. Uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of his matches, and uh, like I said, it's someone who's always been talked about, always kind of been around ever since I've watched wrestling. Uh, you know, just through like influences like my uncle and stuff like that. You know. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, someone that's always been around. I've always enjoyed watching. Like I, I love Midnight Express matches, man. I, I love the Blue Bloods, uh, all that stuff, man. It's just so great and so entertaining. But it's it's just like you know, it's like it's he's up there with Chief Wahoo. It's someone that's always mentioned, you know, and you always just always been around. You you mentioned that that he's always around, and it's funny. Like when I was growing up, beautiful Bobby. He's always in a match on on WCW Saturday Night. And I never really appreciated him until later on where I'm like, oh, this guy's just losing all the time. Like, you, you don't appreciate his style. Yeah, you don't yeah. appreciate how good this guy actually was. It's almost like George South, where, where yeah. George, you don't see him get a lot of W's, but he looks phenomenal yeah. losing. And most of the time he's playing the heel. He's playing the bad guy, you know, so – you know, he, he was phenomenal at that getting, getting heat for sure. And, uh, the, the ladies loved him and the men hated him. <laughs> Cookie, <laughs> uh, I, I know you're a little bit past, uh, the time of Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton was kind of on the tail end of his, 
his mainstream career yeah. when uh, you started getting into wrestling. Have you learned to appreciate Bobby over the past year and a half? Two, actually, almost two years at this. No, it's past two years at this point. It's past two years now. Holy yeah. shit! It's crazy. Um, I, I would definitely say I have. Uh, I said I've only had a few of his matches, but Midnight Express, I, I really enjoy him. You know, I really enjoy watching their matches, and I really enjoy Bobby Eaton selling. That man can sell his ass off. You know, uh, he's going to make the. What did you say? A- absolutely incredible seller. Oh, absolutely. Um, he doesn't. I mean, I haven't really seen him go over as much in his matches, but I mean, I've only had a few. So take that with a grain of salt. But still, it doesn't matter because, you know, the man's a good worker at the end of the day. The man can work his ass off. Now, Mike, coming into this, uh, you know, you weren't familiar with professional wrestling. You didn't grow up watching wrestling like the rest of us. But, Mike, I think that you became like appreciative of Bobby Eaton sooner than most. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think one of my first matches was a rock and roll midnight match. And initially, you know, it was 2019. Fantastic. I, I thought we did a rock and roll as well. We've done, I've done a couple early on. Cause you were like, you need to watch these guys. Um, and I, I think initially as somebody who had no idea about anything, um, you know, uh, at first, you're you're taken aback by the physical appearance um, and kind of mundane. Not like they're not huge, they're not fast. They're just they look like two two dudes. Um, especially Bobby, you know, he's a little thicker, and you see the mullets and all that sort of stuff. But then you know you quickly can start appreciating their work rate and like the quality of the crowd dynamic that they have um, and what they're able to accomplish within like, 15 to 20 minutes. So yeah, I uh, I definitely. You know, I haven't seen as much as I probably could or should. And I sent you that YouTube link yeah. that has like 10 hours of midnight matches and like the <laughs> best of the Midnight Express, which is Bobby was the Bobby was the one that like stayed the whole time through that process. Right. Because right. there was like Stan and then um, Dennis. Right. Yeah, it was Dennis, then Stan. Um, and it's funny, like when I was kind of getting into production, video production of professional wrestling, and I was traveling. I, I would travel with, with David uh, around the Carolinas. We'd go to various promotions and stuff and try to get matches here and there. He was a bootleg wrestling tape trader. So so David, Dax Harwood, who was on AEW every week, was the guy that was going on high spots and ordering these, these bootleg DVD compilations of professional wrestlers. And the one that he put above all else was his – Midnight Express, uh, like 10 disc DVD compilation. And it was funny. Mike sends me somebody has has uploaded all of those DVDs on YouTube. And we I was able to kind of scrub through that and kind of see some of these matches that that David always talked about. Uh, Speaking of Dax Harwood this week on AEW boys, what happened? What what happened, Tolbert? You weren't able to see it live. What, What was it like? living vicariously through our well, uh, group chat. On I Wednesday was at night. work. I was at work and I had my phone right there and just peeked down to, you know, check messages real quick. I saw that I had one and I pulled it up and I went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> we got, uh, old grumpy uncle Dax put us over. Big time. We were on uh, our brand new Dory funk shirt. 
If you haven't gotten yours yet, we have a limited number of large, extra large, and maybe like one or two mediums. But I know that none of you thick boy wrestling fans are mediums. You guys are large, extra large, and maybe even double XL. You can cut the sides uh, got, out, you know, stretch we've it got out. Like a two, I think, double XLs left. Um, anyways, uh, he wore our shirt during a, a phenomenal pre taped promo. Uh, really good looking shirt uh, on. AEW Dynamite, which got 1.1 million viewers. So 1.1 million people potentially saw the Dory Funk Sex God t-shirt. We had some great traction on social media. Mike, what was it like living through Twitter at that time? Uh, I mean, it was pretty cool. I was actually hitting it up on Reddit, too, a little bit through the live channels and stuff, just seeing if we can kind of get, get cover all our bases. Um, I don't know. It's just really cool that he did it. He was willing to do it. It looked amazing because he had the, the mauve shirt with the uh, black leather jacket. He cut one of the best promos I've heard all year. I, I wish they would let him cut more promos, honestly, because yeah. I think Dax is one of the best talkers on the on the roster. But uh, it was just really cool to see it. And then, like I sent my dad a picture. I was like, hey, we made it on TV. And he, you know, he thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, maybe we sell one or two of the shirts because of it. I And I did. I Yesterday, I, I sent off a couple. So, we have sold a couple shirts because of that. I believe that it is a fun way just to get our name out there more. I, I when when I made the investment into the t-shirts, it was not like to make money. And and of course, we're not going to make money off a of Dory Funk baby. <laughs> if we were looking to make money, we'd make money off a of Terry, right? Am I am I right? A hundred percent. Everyone knows that. Dory is 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 the uh, the the the. The homely sister in 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 that uh, how did a, that how, household. How did Travis describe our shirt? He said it's like three to four layers of niche wrestling. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny because the people that have bought the shirt, I look at their Twitter profiles, and they are four to five layers of niche wrestling. it, yeah. it, it is a very yeah. obscure thing. But you know what? Yeah, it's, it's like it's like everybody. Go ahead, Mike. Over. Oh, I was going to tell Aaron that, you know, sometimes the homely sister is a more fun sister, you know, so he made <laughs> no, the right call on choosing, choosing Dory for the T-shirt design. Uh, no, not in this case. Uh, the, the Dory is definitely the, the, the more homely sister <laughs> and less fun sister. <laughs> yes, Mike, I just, what I are you saying? Like the whole idea, I said I feel like the whole idea of, like, the niche wrestling kind of thing fits our, our podcast style, right? Because, you know, only like 50 to 60 people know and understand and get our references and our, our content creation style. So, you know, I think it's fun to share the love that, that is Dory Funk. I'll tell you, boys, last week's episode had the most single-day listens of any episode we've ever done, and it completely weirded me out when I looked at the numbers. It's also I, a terrible episode. And it was not a good episode. Like Jasmine was like, this was not your best. And I'm like, thanks, babe. That's, that, that means a lot coming from you. Uh, not every episode can be the best. Not mm -hmm. every episode can be the best. And, and we're looking at these numbers and I'm like, this does not add up. Why did we have so many listeners? Are they all MDK all day fans? Is that, is that what the deal is? Is it because, is it because we talked about Nick F and Gage? I don't know, but it, it blew me away. So maybe, maybe, that's the 
maybe we can ride some of this momentum going forward. Uh, two years is enough for us to kind of break through, right, boys? We, we've we've paid our dues at this point. 100%. Still, still paying those dues. <laughs> still paying those dues. Uh, Cookie, I still have to send you your shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting on it. I'm still waiting on it. I realized it, and I'm like, fuck, I have not sent Cookie his shirt. Cookie. <laughs> Uh, please DM me your uh, your your contact information and we'll do. Uh, your and and also Cookie, if you need to wear it to rugby practice, see if any of your rugby friends like professional wrestling, and then we can go forward there. I actually have a guy that uh, does retro T-shirts, so just throwing it out there. If we want, I might have a guy. Okay, okay, so. So talk to this guy. You need to start wearing wrestling things at rugby practice so people can be like, oh, I, I like wrestling too. And then you you kind of bring them into the fold. So nobody knows at this point in, in Colorado that you have a professional wrestling podcast, correct? Well, so actually, Aaron, uh, I wore my NWO two sweet shirt on Tuesday. And that was when I started talking to the guy about retro T-shirts and stuff like that. So I'm getting the ball rolling, but no one knows I have a podcast yet. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're the whole there. time. We're getting there. Well, Cookie, right. what, what what you can do is is just make sure you spam everybody at rugby practice and let them know that they can follow us at number two dollar stake underscore on Twitter and Instagram to find us on all their podcasting sites and they can DM us if they want a t-shirt. Good idea, Mike. That's a great idea. <laughs> I'll tell you last night, uh so last night. Uh, Tasha Boo, you know, the, the, the world famous Tasha Boo, uh, the, what she, she's like Ric Flair. She's the weed smoking, the, (laughs) I I got to think of three, uh, weed smoking, poop, vomiting, something, son of a gun. Uh, Tasha Boo last night had her birthday party. We were Jasmine and I bought the pay-per-view. UFC pay-per-view, which was not good, by the way. So if anybody cares about UFC, uh, whatever that was last night, it was fucking dog shit. Yeah, it was terrible. It was one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever watched ever. But we were watching it at her dad's house. We had Crab Louie Salad, which is a salad that Jasmine made. It looks beautiful with, with a delicious layer of crab on top. And she made a dressing for it. We also had prime rib, and uh, between every uh, course, Tasha Boo burnt one down outside, came back, ate her food. It was phenomenal. We had a great time last night. I, I wanted to bring this up because I, we, we already talked about all this other stuff, but Jasmine's stepbrother, Quentin, was there, and Quentin and I talked about wrestling and the importance of wrestling, and Derek, who is Jasmine's dad, talked to us about the importance of Bobby Eaton and all this other stuff. We had a great time talking about wrestling and some good food last night. I will tell you that Derek got to see both itinerations of the Midnight Express Live. He is a Dennis fan over a Stan Lane fan. We will talk about that maybe later, which one is is more preferential. But let's talk about Bobby Eaton on this week's episode. All 
right, Mike, for the first match of the evening, you have got the classic Yin versus Yang. You have got the Midnight Express against the Rock and Roll Express. Correct. This is February 25th, 1990 in Greensboro. The Greensboro Coliseum. Wrestle War, which sounds like, was it like one of their like kind of smaller level pay-per-views or events or something like that? Yeah, I mean, like back then you had your your major ones, your Starcade, your uh, I don't even know if Halloween Havoc was around yet. I don't think it was, but but Wrestle War was kind of like one of those smaller level pay per views. All right, so we start off with the Midnight Express and their infamous manager Jim Cornette, um, and I just I for, we haven't had a Jim Cornette sighting on the podcast in quite some time. And uh, I just forgot how good of a talker and how good of a promo Jim Cornette is. He's absolutely incredible. That's why, you know, I, I'm the one that, that, that takes the L for the team and listens to his podcast every single week just to kind of hear him talk because I love just some of his descriptions and, and like sayings that he says. He may be old man yelling at a- Cloud, but he is a very, very entertaining old man yelling at Cloud. Now, Aaron, you're going to have to help me out because I don't have any notes in front of me. I just have open road and mountains. Um, so he, he kept saying like a line in the promo to kind of get over um, like how big of a deal Midnight versus Rock and Roll is, was, and will be. Um, do you remember what it, what it was like? Something about history or something like that? I, I don't remember uh, specifically, but I know what you're talking about. He did kind of... He, he put over the fact that the, these guys have wrestled hundreds and hundreds of times at this point, and each time it is a, a war, a battle, and how important this rivalry was. All right, so Midnight comes out to the ring. It's, uh, it's Stan and Bobby, because this is in the 90s. And then uh, Rock and Roll comes out, and you get a huge pop. Like, I don't know, it wasn't, you know, um, as big as a pop as uh, – some of like the guys that would come later, like the Road Warriors, something like that. But rock and roll pop in the '90s still pretty fucking big. Um, and then, but rock and roll is Bobby, uh, Ricky Morton, and what's the other guy? Robert Gibson. Gibson. Robert Gibson. So I, I, I always, I always forget him. He's the one with the brown hair. Everybody else has beautiful blonde mullet. Um, early on in the match, we're getting classic cheesy heel manager. Um, stuff going on. Cornette is kind of screwing around with the crowd, screwing around with the referee, and I actually like this spot. So it's like two minutes into this match, and Cornette does something, and uh, one second, the baby's crying. <laughs> he right, we're, we're getting it figured out. <laughs> we're getting it figured out. Um, so, and Cornette's like screwing with the referee and the referee like puts his finger in Cornette's face. It's like, Hey man, like stop getting up on the, the apron, stop touching the rope, stop screwing around, stop being Jim Cornette. And, uh, what's Jim Cornette do? He drops the racket, takes the jacket off, gets in there. And he's like, put your dupes up, brother. We're going to fight. And it's very, uh, I think odd for Jim Cornette to do that sort of thing. He, you know, the crowd's kind of loving it or wanting to see something happen with Jim. And what does the referee do? The referee's like, all right, fuck it, brother, let's go. And the referee starts putting his dukes up. They're getting ready to just old-school bare-knuckle box this out. Um, 
Luckily, it was one of those things, Mike. It and the way, just how Jim Cornette is so over the top with his his presentation of of the old school putting up the Dukes. He looks like somebody that's never watched a real boxing match. He looks like like Absolutely. Barney Fife, you Absolutely. know, about to get into a fight. And and this is this is one reason why I don't actually listen to the Jim Cornette podcast. But it's so flamboyant and over the top. And but he shits on everybody in today's wrestling if they do anything remotely <laughs> kind of grandiose in movement or caricature. Like and I'm like, Jim, look at you here. Like, look at you. Like, you literally get pushed over the like, top rope by the referee. <laughs> like, and the crowd loves it. And the crowd, guess what? The crowd loves that shit today. So I think, I think he's, he's kind of have a, at a disconnect a little bit. I think he's forgotten where he came from and what he used to do when he goes on some of those rants. But uh, it's just great. The crowd's loving it. It, it takes up you know, a minute or so. Luckily, you know, the, the referee was going to go after Jim Cornette some more, and we got some trained killers in there between the midnight and the rock and roll, and they both, they all four come together and be like, hey, we should probably break this up. <laughs> yeah, um, like, so we, these four guys who have, like, got all this history together, they're like, ooh, yeah, 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 let, let, let's, let, let's break these two up. And, so, and I, I don't know why, but it's like, it was just like one of, like, the little, like, notes I loved about the match is the referee just tucking his shirt back in. back to the hard cam and he's just like tucks his shirt back in like he's about to go back to work um which is funny because jim Cornette for the rest of the match his is untucked yeah yeah he does look kind of like a slob um but i mean it is a classic 80 late 80s early 90s tag team match it's a classic midnight rock and roll match you get the 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 baby faces getting some offense in, kind of showing the uh, the boys what's up. Um, you know, and the thing I loved about it is you got JR, you got two goats on the on commentary. And we've talked about different goats, my, some of my favorite commentary teams. Now, this wasn't my favorite commentary team as a team, but we got two of the, the greatest to do their jobs ever. We got JR, Jim Ross. And we got fucking Terry Funk on commentary. Who? It was what? Terry Funk. Yeah. So we got Terry freaking Funk on commentary talking and putting the boys over, doing a little, hamming it up a little bit. I think we got a little heel Terry Funk going on, talking about how he should be in the heavyweight title picture a little bit. Um, and what I, what I like to is it reminded me of quarantine because occasionally Terry was stepping on Jim in, in terms of calling out the moves and calling out the play-by-play. <laughs> are you comparing you that, Are you comparing Cookie to Terry Funk? Is that what you're telling me? I love that. I love no, that comparison. No, no, I'm comparing, I'm comparing the approach with which they carried themselves on color commentary. Ah. Cookie is in no way near could sniff Terry Funk's jockstrap in yeah, any I, sense I, of the word. I agree with but, that. <laughs> you're not I just want to know if I'm booked. You're, so not, you're, not, you're, not, you're booked. not booked. You're not Damn booked. It. You're not booked. You're not Damn booked. I'm gonna, I, uh, I, I want to tell you guys, during that matchup, it was a different kind of color commentary, and it was very interesting. 
Terry really kind of got into the psychology of the match and was telling things that I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. So it was a different kind. I'm used to Jerry Lawler or, or, or somebody that, that just kind of like throws in an aside, but it's not like really a hard analysis of the match. And I think Terry did really well in it. And this is why I really like JR's early stuff, even leading up into the 90s and into the Attitude Era. Tony Schiavone still does it a little bit today, and JR does a little bit too, with a keeping kayfabe a lot. They're, they're talking about why somebody did something or what, like they're even covering for botches and just kind of explaining through why what happened happened and why it might not have looked great or why it looked amazing. Um, and, that, and that's why it, I mean, it's just really good match in that regard too. But if we get back to talking about the wrestling, so it's, it, you know, a classic 20 minute, 25 minute match consists of three acts, right? So it's the, the good guys getting a little work in and uh, the crescendo of the good guys getting a little work in at the beginning of the match is this move. I forget what exactly what happened, but they're, they're screwing around in the corner and Stan and Bobby come in to try to like do something. And, uh, one of the rock and rolls steps out of the way and Stan and Bobby hit each other and both roll out of the ring. And then there's some contention and Cornette has to like slow it down and be like, Hey boys, like it's not us. Don't blame each other. We got to go after these dudes. Right. Stan um, actually like pushes Bobby outside the ring. Bobby takes a bump and like, you can see that there, there is a tension between them during that. And so I, I, I like that. Um, but it leads into, the second part, you know, they're going to get their heat. They're going to, they start working Ricky Morton up and down for the next 12 minutes. Like, I don't, I don't think, uh, what's the other guy's name again? Robert Gibson. Robert Gibson. Keep wanting to call him Bobby. Um, Robert Gibson, like, he's just on the corner. He's trying to help, you know, Ricky as best he can, but Ricky's taking the heat. And, uh, which is really cool. I mean, Ricky Morton, hey, still does. Like, watching the guy hit a hurricane run like six months ago, right? So, um, but it's just really good, classic wrestling. And then we get towards the end, and uh, it starts, the pace starts picking up. And that's where you kind of know it's like, all right, we're going to get to the finish. Fast forward, we get the classic heel manager spot where you get an Irish rip, whip, rest distracted. Cornette hits uh, Ricky in the back. He does kick out on two, gets the hot tag. Robert Gibson comes in to, again, huge, huge applause and roars and screams from the fans. They talk about Dick Jackson having one of the best hot tags in wrestling. And I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever, because this feels so choreographed when he does get in there because he does literally the same shit. Like, it's like the same four moves in a row. Um, but Robert Gibson gets in there, does his thing. Um, you think they're going to win. Midnight does kick out of the two counts. Then we get a little bit of midnight. They look like they're about to hit their finisher. Ricky Morton comes in out of nowhere and, like, it looks like almost tackles one of the midnights. And then Robert Gibson with a classic roll-up, and then he locks the leg on the backside of the roll-up. I don't, I, if, if they do that normally, I don't ever remember seeing it, but I thought it was a really cool thing that he rolled him up and like brought his leg and swept it around to really pin it down. Rock and roll win. And then they get the hell out of there. I had never seen that, that, uh, that finishing sequence was, was so neat. It was like 
they had a double team. Then, then Ricky came in and tackled Bobby, took the double team off, and then the roll-up. It was something that was very and it, interesting. It looked fresh. It looked realistic. Like, I mean, I, they probably had done it on house shows and that sort of stuff before, but, like, I'd never, I've never seen that. Um, and it kind of took me – I was like, oh, my gosh, it looked really good. Um, you know, all in all – I, I just, I like, they do it well. They're professionals. They've done it, you said, hundreds of times. They had their crowd just eating out of their hands. I, I do love and wish that we could get some more cheesy manager heel gimmick, like just enough cheese. I guess the guy working, what's his name, working with um, the elite right now from Impact? Oh, uh, Don Callis. Don Fallis. So I think he's, yeah, yeah, I think he's getting into it a little bit which is cool and um, kind of finding that role, but it's like just enough that like there's comedy, there's realism. I just really like it. Uh, you know, for today's crowds and today's overly medicated ADHD adults, I think 25 minutes is probably just a little too long. Um, but, you know, overall, I really enjoyed it. I, I was watching the match and, um, yeah, it's, it's a long match. And I warned you guys, I'm like, this week we're going to have a little longer matches because that's kind of like what Bobby Eaton's style was. But this match was one of those matches that I'm not bored the, the entire time. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, I'm into it. And I look down, and I'm like, holy shit, I've just watched 17 minutes of wrestling, and I didn't know, like, it didn't feel like it. And uh, it, it it's a match that is longer, but there's so much going on that like shaves off time that you don't realize it and you're into it the whole time. And, and I know yeah. Mike, you don't like longer matches, but were, were you kind of feeling that as well? Uh, there's occasional like wrap it up. Not, I not even got to wrap it up, but like there's peaks and valleys, right? So it slows down. Hudson really liked it too. We, we watched it together at four thirty this morning. Um, so you know, there's peaks and valleys. It, it, it's, quick and it slows down you get the thing like with the cornet spot you know they went outside like once and hit a ring ring spot like it just slows it down just enough um and, the, and then there's a lot of actual wrestling which is kind of nice it's just it's lost on pretty much everybody today except our boys fcr um but it, it is a style that i do appreciate and i can watch that you know i'd watch one of those on, a week on wednesdays for sure there you go all right, Mike. Well, uh, thank you for your segment. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Are you, gonna, are you going to be on for the rest of the episode? I'll probably hang out, make some little comments here and there. I'll definitely be, have myself on mute so when these kids start screaming, you don't hear them. He's got um, nothing hey, else to out, do. Shout out. Shout out. Instagram. I think we're up to like 164. Oh, nice. Yeah, we gained like here we go. 10, 9 or 10 followers this week. Thank 9 you, or Jack, 10 followers allowing is a big deal. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Dax Harwood, for allowing us to ride your coattails to sell a couple T-shirts. Hopefully, people listen to our our podcast, and hopefully, this week's better than next week. And I think you know, we're I think we're heading out of the valley, boys, climbing up to the mountaintop of greatness. Goddamn right. I I thought we were too, and then it it was 
You know, it was hard getting us together this morning, but we finally did. We're here speaking of, yeah, so I, it was about 4.30 this morning as I'm walking in the door, getting home, and Mike's like, what time are we recording? Already up on the group chat, watching wrestling at 4 Jesus. o'clock this morning. Yeah. Bro, no, I, I wasn't asking what time we're recording. Aaron asked at like 11.30 what time we can do this, and I said, I can do anything after 10 because I'm going to be on the road. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to bed after 2 last night because I had a – a, a, a very heel kitten uh, outside my door at 2 a.m. trying to get in, trying to open the door. He put his little paws under. I just hear shink, shink. And I'm like, oh, my God, this cat is trying to get in at 2. What in the hell is going on? So uh, I didn't go to bed until late last night. I woke up a little uh, late this morning. That's why we were recording. It's actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. We're only we're recording at noon. We're rolling. So. We're rolling. Yeah, yeah, we're rolling. We're doing fine. We're we're hey. bugged. We're bugged. Listen, Terry just wanted a little rub. That's all. That's He's right. That's rub. right. All right, for the strong style uh, cookie, you have got one beautiful Bobby Eaton against uh some guy named rick flair tell me tell me what happened yeah i don't know who the guy is from rick flair he's probably some type of uh i don't know wheel and dealing type of guy i don't know anyway uh beautiful bobby eaton uh we got the pride of huntsville alabama yeah there's not a lot of i can tell you there's not a lot of pride uh in huntsville alabama and uh, being being the pride of huntsville that, that's a big that's a big thing right there that's it a is. rub Hey, look, look, just because there's not a lot from Huntsville doesn't mean that Bobby didn't set the bar high, okay? All yeah. you need is one, one superstar to set that bar high. Um, so he's beautiful, Bobby, and uh, I want to know, did he get that name purely off of the mullet? Because I'd say the mullet is beautiful. I, I think it's a, an incredible mullet. And if, you know, if we had Davenport, I think Davenport would, would rate it a highly, highly rated mullet in, in his book. And I wish Davenport was here. I'm going to ask you guys, uh, if you if you had to rate it, uh, would you say it's a step between maybe Joe Dirt and maybe uh, Ricky Morton? Yeah, it, it's not quite Ricky Morton's status. Ricky's got the – Ricky's He's got, got the flair. Yeah, Ricky's got the flair up top. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, he, he, does. he would be working at the Outback Steakhouse at the, uh, the TGI Fridays that, with that flair. Yeah, he'll flip you a blooming onion. Would you say it's better than a, a Myrtle Beach mullet? I think it's it's it is a Myrtle Beach mullet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And um, also we got Ric Flair. Uh, I gotta bring it up. Uh, I guess he also has a luscious head of hair at this time. This is uh, the early nineties. Uh, I think this is nineteen ninety eight, uh, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's actually uh, around the same time as Mike's match. So there you go. There, that makes sense then. Uh, you know, no wonder Ric Flair lived a fast life. He probably was running away from all those ladies in the front row that were screaming his name as he came down the aisle. Uh, did you see him pointing the crowd? I wonder if he just told security that uh, that's the one tonight. That's the one. <laughs> Come on back. I, just want... her back. I don't care that she's got her kids with her. <laughs> Bring her and the kids back. The commentator said that this is a very unusual match between one half of the Midnight Express and the world champion Ric Flair at the time. Uh, was this rare back in the day? Aaron, yeah, like, 
I mean, think about it like this. It's kind of as rare as, you know, when Jericho was wrestling Dax, you know, it's, it's True. somebody that is a strict tag team person at the time wrestling a singles match against a world champion. It, it is something that you never see. But I think that I, I had heard that Ric Flair was like, I want to wrestle Bobby. So I saw that too. I was reading up on that. And it, I mean, I can tell why. I mean, the man is, a, like I said, a great worker. And uh, Ric Flair looked great. But Bob, a beautiful Bobby Eaton looked great as well. But let's go ahead and get to the countdown. Cookies, top four, number one. So you have sellers and then you have sellers. Now, Aaron, I'd like to take the time to speak for the guys on the podcast because I think we can all agree that Terry Funk is the best seller hands down. Ever. Ever. Right. Uh, I think a very close second, though, is Bobby Eaton. Uh, he doesn't just sell the high spot gimmick. No, he's going to sell that first chop from Flair. Not even a minute into the match. He's going to sell that chop like he just got hit with a bullet. Uh, it sent him flailing from one corner of the post to the other. And that's how much one of Ric Flair's chops hurt. You know, uh, boys, would you take a chop from Prime Flair? Uh, no, I don't think I would either. Nor I, would I, I take I, a chop from Prime Wahoo. Oh, fuck no. I would, uh, I would do it. I would do it just to say I did. I need like six beers and then I'm like, <laughs> all right, come on. A good yeah. cross buzz. <laughs> and I hope I don't flinch because he might hit me twice. Like, that's how I feel about that. You number know, there's always two. one coming after it. Uh, so you have number two, you have sellers and then you have floppers. You know, that's right. Floppers. All I'm saying is Flair had control with the side headlock and then Bobby pushes him off. Flair rebounds off the ropes. He doesn't just send Bobby to the mat. No, he flops like the Fran like France's national men's basketball team in the Olympic finals. I mean, Bobby not only rolls to the outside of the ring, but he manages to crack his noggin on the guardrail as he goes out. <laughs> now that's dedication, my friend. That's dedication. Bobby Eaton uh, throughout this match. I, you know, I and, and now that I think about it, I, he made Ric Flair look phenomenal. So that's probably yeah. the reason why Ric Flair was like, I want to wrestle Bobby Eaton. He does. And this he was not even for this wasn't a pay-per-view. I think what, what was this like? A, this was on like uh, the main event, which was their Sunday night show, which out of everything, it was just on a random Sunday night. So obscure. So obscure. I mean, but like every chop, every punch from Ric Flair, I mean, Ric Flair at one point threw him into the guardrail uh, and, and uh, sorry, beautiful Bobby Eaton was just flopping all around on the outside. I mean, it was crazy. It was, cra but it was entertaining the entire time. This right. was a 20, I believe this was like a 25 minute match or so. Yeah. And like you said, Aaron, I never got exhausted with this match because there was just so many things going on. <laughs> just so much. Number three. All right. Number three. Uh, now, like I said, there are floppers. And then there are real-life accidents, uh, <laughs> which is what I think happened to Flair after he took that tennis racket to the jugular from the Pink Panther himself, Jimmy Cornette. <laughs> the Pink Panther. He was wearing a, 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 a god-awful <laughs> pink blazer. Um, and that, that jacket probably should be burned. I think that would go into the Hall of Fame next to Craig Sager and his atrocious wares back in the NBA days. But anyway... Anyway, uh, the, uh, Flair runs after Cornette, and the camera pans out, and Flair's chasing him, and then you don't see Flair. And I'm pretty sure he tripped over the camera cord, 
and some unfortunate cameraman probably lost his job that night. Yeah. Yeah. But he sold it. I give I would give Ric Flair that he sold he sold for the cameraman. How about that? <laughs> he sold for the cameraman. You don't see that all the all the time. All right. I'm gonna go to my honorable mentions next. I just want to say kudos to Bobby for taking a beating and putting on a show from a guy that has about five moves of offense. I mean, Ric Flair does not he's not known as an offensive guy, but he made Ric Flair look like a million bucks. He already looked like a million. Hell, I'll say he made Ric Flair look like a billion dollars. You know, uh, Bobby took a guardrail bump. He took a concrete bump. I mean, he did all of this, and it's not even a pay-per-view, not even a tag team match. God, uh, R.I.P. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Am I, am I right or am I right? Yeah, you're very much right. Uh, one last honorable mention. Uh, have we talked about this? Is it me or does Bobby Eaton look a little bit like Travis? <laughs> have we talked about this <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> i was like is that travis yeah uh so travis uh if you're listening and i know you are because you listen every week and you, we're gonna keep this a secret in the group chat until you hear it uh travis for halloween you need to go buy the most myrtle beach mullet you can yes. find and you could be one half of the midnight express uh i could probably be who am I going to be? Am I going to be Stan Lane or Dennis? You're definitely Stan. All right, I'll, I'll Stan be Stan Lane, Lane and uh, we're, we might have to get somebody to get some glasses and Jim Cornette. So we there will be the Midnight Express. Number four, very last one, guys. Uh, now you have one of my favorite endings and hot spot moments. Uh, Flair is hurting at this point. Because Bobby Eaton has taken over the match. He's already taken all these bumps, but, you know, Bobby's taken over this match at this point. Um, you know, he took those two tennis racket shots to the face. And, you know, Bobby locks on a figure four headlock. Not a not a leg lock, but a headlock. Cornette's outside in the ring, and he's throwing up gang signs to the camera. You know, he said, this is what it's all about, Midnight Express. I don't know what the hell it was. MXK um, all day. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize he was doing mud shows uh, in the 90s. Um, but anyway, you know, Bobby comes off the top rope, and you know he's looking for that flying knee drop. But Flair dodges it, but he not only moves out of the way, he picks both ankles, and he takes Bobby off of his feet, tries to slap on the figure four leg, leg lock. Uh, but, of course, old Pink Panther himself, Jim Cornette, gets on the apron. He throws his racket to Bobby, not stealth-like. He just fucking chucks it at Bobby. <laughs> Flair Flair kicks Bobby because he's about to hit him with the racket. The racket falls. Flair picks it up, gives the old Pink Panther breath, a whack to the back with the racket, sends him flying out of the ring. Beautiful Bobby takes an uppercut from the tennis racket. Bada boom, you got Ric Flair holding the belt at the end of the day. Big gold belt. Ric Flair goes over. But goddamn it, Bob, beautiful Bobby Eaton doesn't go over as well. They both look like a million bucks. I, I thought it was a little there, there was a little bit of irony in it that uh, that that Bobby is working a figure four of himself. Yes. Throughout the match. And he might be beating Ric Flair with not a figure four leg lock, but a figure four headlock. Yes. Throughout the match. Yes. And I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, kind of a, a turn on what what you would expect. Uh, man, great, great ring psychology. I wish Terry Funk was calling my match. Uh, unfortunately, I think I, I, I don't even know who I had. You had Lance huh? Russell. Who the fuck is that? I, the king was, of Memphis. He was the guy that, that, uh, 
that did the the Terry Funk Jerry Lawler uh, oh. empty arena where he's smoking the cigarette and he's like, "Do I have time for another one?" Yes, ah, uh, yes, I do remember that. Well, we're not talking about commentary commentary here. We're talking about beautiful Bobby Eaton, R.I.P. and Ric Flair. Uh, guys, this was absolutely a five cookie match. It was right. great. I enjoyed it uh, from start to finish. It is tough to find a Bobby Eaton high spot match in the the regular sense. A a high spot match is usually something that's that's a shit show. Bobby Eaton is phenomenal. Uh, I had to go a little different. Who? What, what is more high spot than the Nasty Boys? Is, is Not what much. I'm getting at. Not much. Tolbert, you got the Blue Bloods against the Nasty Boys in somebody's effed up VCR that the tracking was off a little <laughs> yeah. bit on. It was Made awesome. It all the more high spot-ish, <laughs> and they left the commercials in, which is always my favorite. Yeah, so let me set the scene. It is 1995. We are yes, in sir. June of 95. This is WCW Saturday Night Wrestling. Woo! Oh, dude, it takes me right back to my childhood. And I love that the commercials are in it because it shows what time period we are in. Yes. Coca-Cola's red hot summer. (laughs) You're sitting there there watching wrestling and you untwist that cap and there's no better feeling than watching some WCW Saturday Night Wrestling and winning a free 12-ounce Coca-Cola under that cap. Tolbert, and I I would pour that into my beautiful beautiful mcdonald's batman forever glass frosted glass oh yes batman forever is in theaters doing a cross promotion with mcdonald's (laughs) i had those glasses dude i I had those mugs (laughs) they were awesome you know and you know there's nothing like getting a happy meal but you take it home and you take it out of the box and put it on a plate and then you pour your coca-cola into that batman forever frosted mug dude you're living the high life just like the Blue Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, and then you, you, you wash it all down with a delicious, crispity, crunchity, peanut buttery <laughs> Butterfinger. Of course, of course. I actually, I hated Butterfingers, still do. How? I never liked them. I, I don't know. How do you not like Butterfingers? I hate them. I hate them, too. They're dry and, like, I don't know. They get in your throat. And uh, I, I like the taste. I like the taste. But, yeah. For me, it's like it just sticks to your teeth, and then you're yeah. like, spend the next thirty minutes picking it out of your teeth. So like, you guys, it's a did, guilty pleasure. But I won't, I won't eat a whole one. I'll only eat the little bite-sized ones. Did yeah. you ever eat Chico sticks growing up? Nah. Uh-huh. No. Chico no. sticks are basically the inside of the Butterfinger. I love those. Of course. No. Um, but anyway, that's that's where we are, folks. It was uh, it was a golden time to be alive. Um, <laughs> But yes, many fond memories. But anyway, 95, 95 was, a, was a good year. That was like right when Bill Clinton started getting blowjobs, right? Oh, yeah, dude. This is pro- well, that was a little bit later. That was a little closer to Woodstock 99, as uh, oh. Kid Rock told us. Gracious. <laughs> uh, what, what did Kid Rock say, uh, Cookie? Uh, I don't want to get political, but Michael, <laughs> Bill Clinton, a pimp. <laughs> Bill Clinton's a pimp. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've all watched the Woodstock 99 uh, documentary in the last week or so. Uh, cringeworthy but this was before that disaster uh so 
WCW Saturday Night Wrestling. We got Mr. Tony Schiavone on the mic. Chef Kiss, classic, prime, Tony. We get the Blue Bloods coming out. Mr. Steven Regal and Sir Earl Robert Eaton coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and their, their full British dress, hats and all. Dude, crowd hates them. Um, the crowd, it, I have to say, the, the WCW Saturday Night set looks just like a, a Nickelodeon set. It looks like they might just use it for, for a guts or double dare afterwards. <laughs> I don't Do know. you know what's funny about that? What's that? They were both uh, filmed on Universal Studios. I knew oh. it. It looks, that's, it looks just like a, a Nickelodeon set. Um, and so does the crowd. Very young crowd. You know, there's some wrestling fans in there, but it's, it's all kids on vacation. Uh, but they hate the Blue Bloods. They know who to boo. They knew these guys, you know, they're like, fuck these guys. Uh, I, I hated the Blue Bloods at that time. You know, they come out in their fancy music and their British dress. You're like, dude, get out of here. And who is uh, going to crash this party? None other than the Nasty Boys coming out to huge, huge applause. The kids love the Nasty Boys at this time, dude. They got the cool haircuts. You got the tie dye man. They just like they look like Ninja Turtle villains, almost. You know, they, they, they kinda, look like Bebop. Yeah, they have they have the Rocksteady and Bebop vibe going on, man. And uh, everyone loves them, but they don't waste any time, dude. They actually kind of pull like a classic Midnight Express uh, esque move where they come out, dude, and they just charge in and start beating on people, man. Um, and I, I I love it, dude. No regard for the rules. They go right in on the boys, start bashing them. Uh, they even make a comment. Shivani uh, talks about how the ref just has no control of this match from the very start. Uh, there is definitely a, a lack of respect for the rules. But eventually we, we settle in and we get to it. And uh, Bobby goes to work, man. Um, and you kind of poke fun at my uh, Instagram post, Varnum. But if aliens landed and said, what is tag team wrestling? You uh, you show him something with Mr. Eaton in it, dude, because he is the best there was, best there is, best there ever will be a tag team wrestling. Now, Tolbert, I, I didn't I, I poked fun at it because I would like I think I would like to hang out with these aliens that, that come they to, like to Earth guys. And like, want to hey, know about tag team wrestling. <laughs> We've they they intercepted uh, uh, a transmission light years ago, and they made their way to Earth. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> Find out up, more. They they've got little alien mullets, and they're like, "Show me Midnight Express." <laughs> but yeah, so uh, this this is a twenty minute match, but we do have a commercial break. Um, you know, it's a longer match, but like you said, it's entertaining. Uh, um, the Nasty Boys are a great tag team in their own right. Um, they've got great timing. Um, their, their moves are crisp and tight. And uh, a lot of these moves were stiff. And Steven Regal is a great wrestler in his own right as well. He's a big guy, looks like a million bucks. Uh, but pretty much they beat up on the Nasty Boys for a while and they answer their brawling style with some technical, you know, on the mat wrestling, which they allude to in the commentary as well. It's the only way you're going to beat these, these uh, guys that are from the subway that would take a walk in Central Park at three in the morning. Uh, but we get a lot of technical wrestling, a lot of just classic technical tag team moves from the Blue Bloods uh, until the, uh, the Nasty start to get the upper hand. And once they do, Harlem Heat decides to crash 
the party. They're just like, hey, we hate both these guys. <laughs> you know, you see them run in, you're like, all right, they're going to come and they're going to, uh, you know, maybe beat up the Blue Bloods. No, they start kicking everybody. Booker T, someone spin kicks, jumping all over the place, uh, just bashing everybody. The ref calls a no contest, so the Nasties retain the uh, tag team champs. Uh, this is also E for Brawl for All. I think was it Brawl for All? No, or... not Brawl for All. I think it was Great American Bash. Great American it... Bash. Yeah. yeah. So this was. is kind of setting up for a uh, Great American Bash uh, pay per view match. Uh, I imagine it was a three way tag, uh, but between uh, between the three. Uh, but we get Sensational Sherry tries to get in on the action as well. And uh, they give her, Nasty Boys give her uh, an atomic drop, <laughs> which is uh, doesn't exactly connect, but she sells it like, like it does. Uh, and amidst the chaos, uh, ring clears, Nasty's retained the title. And I went and watched Guts, probably. Or maybe some adventures of Pete and Pete. I'm not sure. I watched Nick Arcade at the time. So. <laughs> oh, I love me some Nick Arcade. But, uh, uh, Tolbert, I, I wanted to, to say there was a the classic Nasty Boys armpit spot in it. And always. Regal selling that was one of the funniest things. For like two minutes, he sold how smelly the armpits were. Oh, they're the Nasty Boys, dude. They're the nastiest. I could smell them through the TV. They're the nasty boys. They've got a bad reputation. Nasty boys. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've, I've got to find, I don't know how they get that tie-dyed print on those cutoff shirts that they had in this match, but that is a dope print, man. That, that I, should it's be your almost next like t-shirt. puff paint. Uh, do you <laughs> yeah. guys remember puff paint shirts? Or it's like where they put it on the wheel and it spins and you just put the paint on it and it yeah. spins it all around. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen that. <laughs> I always wanted one of those, but mom and dad are like, nah. No, you're going to trash everything. We saw what you did with the creepy crawler machine. <laughs> oh, yo, you're you're getting deep, man. What'd you do with the creepy crawling machine? Oh, point. it was just like shit everywhere. Like you, you, uh, would, mm. you would pour the stuff in there. You would throw it in the, the thing. You would peek to see if it was all right. But then it would be so hot that you're like, ah, you throw it. And then like <laughs> yeah. creepy crawler goes everywhere. So no, he, uh, he made a he made a sex toy out of the creepy crawler. No, no. With his own. <laughs> no I, I got second degree burns from the creepy crawler machine. You're supposed to put oh. it in the, the water to cool it down. No, eh, screw it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, thank you for that nostalgic uh, match there, Varnum. Uh, boys, that, that was a, uh, a fun match. I like the Blue Bloods. Uh, Tolbert, give me your haiku. Beautiful Blue Bud Bobby. That's a, t- that's a tongue twister there. Beautiful Blue Blood Bobby. Nasty boys get crusty, as they always do. Harlem's in the house. Thank you. Thank you. All right, well, well, boys, you you know what next week is. We're going to talk about the uh, the homely sister of the two Funk brothers. We're going to talk about Dory Funk next week. I was glad we were able to talk about Bobby this week, uh, being able to kind of fit this in uh, to our schedule. Thank you for listening to $2 Steak, a pro wrestling podcast. If you want, uh, send us a DM to pick up your very own Dory Funk uh, Jam t-shirt. Yes, As please. seen on TV. As, As seen, seen on, on TV. TV. Hashtag. Sex guy. Mike, how many more hours you got left? Um, I think seven and a half. 
Oh Lord! So you got you bo- your boys help help get me through a little bit. I appreciate that. It was like listening to a live podcast. That was kind of cool. I got the wife and the oldest asleep. The little ones just watching TV, yelling at me. So what you need to so. do, Mike, is is you need to put on the uh, Midnight Express ten hour DVD for Hudson <laughs> to watch. Get Honestly, him in the mood. So I need to get it. I need to get an HDMI to VGA. And then I can actually, yeah, watch wrestling videos from the backstage if I want um, <laughs> for future car rides. I will tell you that I have a vast collection of wrestling DVDs that is, you can borrow for these long trips. Yeah. Uh, and after that, you should uh, put on yeah. Hardcore Heaven 94 for Hudson. He'll love that one. <laughs> no, no, no. That's already <laughs> what happened to Elliot. You don't need to yeah. show Hudson ECW. He needs to be raised on WCW. Yeah, let's, let's, we'll give it a couple of years, but I definitely think indoctrinating them with old school wrestling DVDs would be pretty good for them. I mean, I think it would make them better people overall. <laughs> it, it it definitely made me the the stalwart of of good uh, human being traits that yeah, I yeah. am today. I hear Hudson cutting a promo in the back right now. Yeah, he said, he said "Fuck waiting, give them to me now." That's what he said. <laughs> Side note. So this week, don't, boys, don't, don't don't hit the don't hit the music yet. Don't hit the music. All right, boys. So this week, um, I went outside on Monday. Uh, Monday is usually my day with Terry. Uh, Jasmine has girls' night, so she goes and watches The Bachelor with her friends. Uh, I went outside with Terry on the back porch. We're sitting there. We're watching the squirrels. That That is our, our entertainment. We watch the squirrels, right? We're sitting there. I'm holding Terry in my hands. A big-ass rat comes out from under my shed and starts eating uh, birdseed. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is a big rat. Terry looks at me like, what the hell is that? Terry is scarred for life. So then I go into the existential crisis of what am I going to do? How am I going to kill this thing? Am I going to have the balls to kill this thing? I go to Lowe's the next day. I buy a rat trap. Uh, I buy a, a an electronic rat trap. My dad wanted me to get one of those, the, the regular just... Glue trap? Uh, no, he didn't <laughs> want a glue trap. He wanted the, the, the trap that just comes down, like the old school mouth bike. The spike trap, yeah. He thinks that's get it that's done and over with. Where, where to? Yeah, just get it done. Uh, so I, I I bait this new trap. Uh, I put it out there. The next morning, I look and the bait was gone, and it looked like I did not bait it at all. Wow. I asked Jasmine. I'm like, Jasmine, did I bait the trap? And she's like, I don't know. There was a lot of peanut butter in the uh, like the sink. I don't think you baited it. So I'm like, okay, I didn't bait it. My my bad. I'm going to definitely bait it tonight. I did it again. Same thing happened the next morning. The rat gaslit me, boys. I have been gaslighted by a rat. Uh, I, I tweeted at Victor. Victor has not gotten back to me yet. I'm very disappointed. Yes, Cookie. Uh, Aaron, at this point, the rat has gone over on you twice. 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 Jesus. I'm not going to we, uh, allow the, the rat to win. We had an incident uh, when I was living up in Ohio. My neighbor was like feeding 
raccoons and wild animals like garbage. And it, uh, we, we saw that we had a rat living under our deck that would go over there and eat his stuff and then come back and live under our deck. Um, so I took care of it with a 20 gauge. I don't have a gun with me. I, I would have. I'll bring but, you over there. I've got an air rifle with a scope, man. Uh, we can go full mm. sniper on him. I'll do it. I'll do it at this Pick point. Pick them off. Pick them off. We watched Suicide Squad this week, and uh, the, the new movie is great if you haven't seen it yet, but they make you fall in love with a rat in the movie, and I'm like, yep. Jasmine, I can't kill a rat at this point. It's because of that stupid well, movie. Well, honestly, Aaron, what if, what if that rat that likely came off a container from God knows where in the United States, because you do live immediately behind the port, what if that rat is raising a group of young and impressionable teenage turtles? Yeah. In your shed. I, I could have, I, I could be the catalyst <laughs> for a, a ninja turtle outbreak here in Sunset yeah. Park. You know, the original was filmed in Wilmington. That's right. Yeah. And, and you know what? The ooze is probably oh. still there. I never knew that. Oh, yeah. One one into. That's right. The secret of the ooze is in my backyard right now. Wait, you're telling me Vanilla Ice was in Wilmington, North Carolina? And yeah. Kevin Nash.